Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Do you have a moose near the caboose that needs to be tamed? I'm talking hairy, big, and need some support. Thankfully, our sponsor today, Manscaped, has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. Baluga! Did you hear that? That's your moose asking for Manscaped. Manscaped engineering team just perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created the Lawnmower 3.0. The premium Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof, includes an LED light, and is made with advanced skin-safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts on your delicates. You can get this trimmer inside their Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toning Spray, both super practical and they smell great too. Plus, for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package Kit, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. The Manscaped Anti-Chafing Cooling Boxer Briefs might be one of my favorite parts of this collection. The Manscaped Boxer Briefs have optimal temperature control with their crop cooling technology while keeping your pride and joy supported. The waistband is also super elastic to reduce chafing and rubbing. Plus, when your girl sees this logo, she knows she's got a real Manscaped man. Pair these boxer briefs with their pH balancing liquid products like the Crop Preserver and you're ready for anything. You need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Putvey, and I am joined now by my co-hosts, Matt Smith. Good afternoon. And Treg, the villain, Wilson. Good afternoon, everyone. So this episode is our mailbag episode. We're going to have a couple other little tidbits throughout the episode, but uh, we'll, we'll do the mailbag. We, we want to thank everybody who sent their questions in, and we'll try and answer them as best we can. It is, it is a Saturday morning. We're, uh, you know, at various states of awakenedness. Some of us slept in very late because they don't have children. Others, the grandkids got them up super early. So we'll do what we can. Um, and when we come back from this commercial break, we'll get right down to it. So stick around. And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered. As mentioned earlier, this is the mailbag episode. But before we jump in, why don't we just uh, we can have a little chit-chat here for a minute or two. Unlike other shows, we don't do 30 minutes of fluffing. We just get introduced. So, Trey, 
Yes. Tell us all about whatever it is you want to talk about for like 30 seconds. Uh, I'm writing an article. Should be out Sunday. Maybe Monday. Who's ghostwriting for you? No one. I write myself. Thank you. When did you learn to write? Well, I, I dict. I talk into my my uh, my computer, and it writes it out for me. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Matt, what about you? Have you been hired on to write anywhere yet? I haven't yet. Uh, still a free agent, um, but uh, there. I'm probably gonna. I'm probably gonna. Uh, I'm probably gonna be uh, putting my name out there soon. I, I'd like to get back back to writing for sure. Well. I have been contacted by a friend of the show, Grant McCagg, and he is still, he still has an opening. Just saying recruits.ca is hiring. Oh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see. And what they happens. are putting out great content, by the way. They, they do put out great content. I agree. They're hiring Matt specifically. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You're the target. It makes sense. Look at you. Look at you. You can't, people listening can't see because you know, they're not on the zoom call with us, but rare. Which is oh, good, because I'm totally naked from the neck down. <laughs> That's why your video is shut off. Yeah. So uh, enough fluffing. Let's, uh, let's jump into the mailbag. And but I want to introduce our great producer, the man who puts this show all together, the man who we wouldn't be here without him, myself. Uh, I... <laughs> it's true. <laughs> No, we're, we are recording on a special day, though. This is three years ago today, Saturday the 20, what is it, 24th. Saturday the 24th, three years ago today, was the first episode that we released. Wow. And we've gotten so much better since we've left that other website. What other website? Exactly. All right, so let's jump into this mailbag. Uh, we, got a, we got a two-parter here, right, to, to kick it all off from our friend, Italian Habs Mike. Mm -hmm. So two questions. If the upcoming season is a condensed one, as expected, and Habs get to a slow start, will Julian get fired? And which new player will have the biggest impact? So let's start it with uh, the first one. Do you think Julian will be fired if they have a slow start? Uh, Matt, we'll start with you. Um, I don't believe they will. Um, you know, you, you had two uh, eight-game losses during last season. They still kept him around. And um, I, I think I, I, I really think that um, they really want to keep that French coach um, on the team. We've seen it in the past, so I, I don't think like the, even if they get off to a slow start, which I doubt they will. Knock on wood. Um, I think they'll be keeping them around at least Trey? for the end. Of, at least for the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. Trey, what about you? Well, he's in his last year of his contract. Uh, Tarion's not being paid anymore. I think it, their expectations from the coach and from everyone, the management and the media and everyone, is that this should be a playoff team uh, with the way it's built. If they get off slow start, I do see Julian's job in jeopardy. I have to agree. Um, this is the year that uh, they seem to put their eggs, their, all their eggs in one basket to make the playoffs. And... I I don't think Bergevin's job is on the, on the line yet, but it soon will be. But if they're having a hard time with the team that Bergevin put together, uh, the expectations they make the playoffs. So if they have a slow start, 
you know, in a short season, say, let's, let's pretend it's 65 games. So in the first 10 games, if they only got two wins, I can totally see Julian being pushed aside and they'll let Mueller finish the year. And then they'll do a full search afterwards. For the reasons you mentioned, Treg, his, uh, Julian's contract's in its last year. So they don't care if they pay him the $5 million, and then he just walks away. It's a nothing thing for them. Um, but making the playoffs is the, is the key to this whole thing. But the team's built to be a Julian-style team anyway. Big guys who can skate. They attack the puck on the forecheck. They get shots on, they get shots on net galore and go to the net. So this is a, it's finally a team built specifically for Julian's coaching style. So there should be no reason why he'd have a slow start. So that's another reason I, I think he could be fired. They also have a playoff size defense. Yeah. Yeah. They have a team that's built for the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, but is the team built for the long haul of the regular season? That's the question. Yeah, you got to get there first. Yeah. You got to get there first. And Bergevin has said many times, you have a team that gets you there. You have players that get you to the playoffs and you have players that get you through the playoffs. Yeah. He's taking care of the players that will get him through the playoffs. Josh Anderson, tremendous in Columbus getting past Tampa Bay. Not this season, but last season. Uh, he was, he was one of the main reasons that they, Tampa had no answer for him, defensive on both sides of the ice and the defense that he built together. Now for the second part of that, uh, that question that kind of ties into what you're talking about, which new player will have the biggest impact? Personally, I, I agree with Italian Habs, Mike, I think it's going to be Jake Allen because he's going to be the one that will help the team get to the playoffs. He's going to be able to provide quality goaltending in the games that he starts while at the same time providing Carey Price, the rest he needs in between games. Because it's a, if a condensed schedule. You're looking at two games back-to-back nights or three games and four nights, even four games and five nights. It could be absolutely possible. So having a, uh, a quality backup, giving Price the rest that he needs in between is going to be key. Uh, what do you think, Treg? Uh, I can agree with that. Uh, Jake Allen is going to be key, getting Price the time off and not only giving him the time off, but winning games when he's not playing. I mean, we had goalies that gave Price the time off. They just couldn't win a game. Um, what? Lindgren's I, amazing. Yeah, well, if he knows where the puck is, which is Usually rare. the back of the net. Uh, <laughs> I, I, do, I do think it's going to be a uh, committee, though. I think Toffoli's going to help. Anderson's going to help. Everyone they, they added is going to help this team uh, – move forward. I think they're now better than the 96 team, 96 point team two years ago. Uh, so if that's the case, there's no reason why this point, this team and a condensed schedule, 82 game schedule can't get a hundred points. What about you, Matt? I'll agree with both of you guys. Um, I, I, my, my pick would be uh, Allen just based on the fact that it's going to give price the backup that he's been searching for, for many years now. And he's um, from New Brunswick. And he's from New Brunswick. Um, well, for me, it's it's the fact that they're going to be able to win games the backup, and not it's not just going to be like, okay, Charlie Lindgren's playing, or this, or you know, uh, Keith and Cade's playing. And we we as fans, we watch the games, and we're just like, shit, it's going to be a long night for for the goaltending and a long game for the defense, right? Yeah. Um, their defense is better. I like the addition of uh, Edmonston. 
Uh, we got to remember that Romanov's going to be making his debut as well, and he looked very good at uh, uh, at, at the camp during the uh, the COVID bubble. Um, but if I have to pick one player, I'll go with Anderson based solely on the fact that it's a guy that can play with speed. He plays with physicality. He can go to the net. He can score, and he's going to create space for whoever centerman is. He also got something to prove. Absolutely. And, he, and, and I really got that from his interview that he's – yeah, he only got a few points last year, but they've invested this uh, this big contract into him, and he wants to show him that it's, it's not a fluke. And his success hinges on Bergevin staying as GM or not. Because if if Anderson shits the bed... Ugh. Yeah, it's, it's going to look really bad on him, I agree. Yeah. Um, so the next question comes from uh, a new set of followers. So welcome to uh, the Habs and Filtered family. It's uh, the Hockey Dummies. Now... They're a Leafs podcast, so we can't really hold them to as high of a standard as we are. It's okay. As... We'll, just speak. we'll just speak slow when we give our answers. Yeah. There's, there's two types of Leafs fans, realistic ones and homers. Yeah. Most of them are homers, but <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what happens. Well, we're going to we take still, out We the... still love you guys, though. <laughs> yeah. We'll take the sock puppets out, and we'll speak slowly so you guys can follow along. <laughs> we deal with offside, uh, offside hockey, so we're used to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the question from the Hockey Dummies is, how much longer can you rely on Carey Price to carry your team? Now, uh, Matt, we were just talking about Jake Allen and goaltending, so I'll let you just follow up on that. Bergevin went in and he – he structured this team and he made these additions to help out guys like Carey Price and Shea Weber. So they don't have to carry the load as much. Um, arrested Carey Price is a very um, dominant Carey Price, but with the additions that they made and the improvements that we saw within these players like Suzuki, Kakaniemi, et cetera, I think we're going to see a little bit more of a punch to the offense, a punch to the power play, penalty kill, et cetera, and it's going to take a little bit of a load off of Carey Price. So when, you, when, you're, when you're paying a player that much and you've got a player that is to the standard of Carey Price, like he is a phenomenal goaltender. We've seen him in the Olympics. He, you know, he's won multiple trophies, et cetera, throughout his, uh, his time in the league. He's just missing that Stanley Cup. And Bergevin went out. He's and he's. He, I'm not trying to say he's like sheltering Price, but he's trying to he's trying to build around him. And he builds from he builds from the net from the defense out. He's done that. He's he's brought in a very good team. <clears throat> should be a competitive team. It should be a playoff team. And um, I, I I can't necessarily say that they're just relying on him. Like he's got six years left on his contract. Uh, Weber's got six as well. Uh, these are these are two guys you want to see win a cup, and um, I, I think he's going to make changes as necessary, whether it be to uh, the the roster or the coaching staff, to uh, to try to make that a reality for these guys. What about you, Treg? What do you think? Well, <clears throat> they haven't won much in the last three years, so I don't think Carey Price was really carrying anything. Um, but he's not wrong. Uh, the first five years of Bergevin's tenure, Carey Price was the only reason why they 
really did what they did. Um, I don't think they're going to rely on him as much now as they used to. Like uh, Matt said, they got Jake Allen now. Jake Allen's on for the next, this year, the next two. Uh, he's probably going to, to get a good 30, 35 games in. Uh, so price is now limited to about 50 games. Um, so I think uh, it's right about now that they're going to stop really. I mean, every team relies on their superstar to carry their team as long as the superstars they have actually carry teams and not just themselves like the Leafs. So, uh, you know, that's, you know, we're, we should be just happy that we have a superstar that can carry the team. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got, uh, you've got a team that chose not to give all of their cap money to a handful of people and spread it around a little bit to provide a supporting cast. Yes. Carrie Price is still the star of this team. Yes. Carey Price is still an effective NHLer to to the point of even saying he could be a star in this league for a few more years. And yes, he could be the difference between a really good Stanley Cup run or missing the playoffs. It's 100% possible. And just like you mentioned, Treg, it could absolutely be the case in Toronto as well with their star players. If they don't produce, they're not making it. The difference in this case for the Canadians, and I think you kind of you kind of alluded to it when you were speaking about Bergeron's first few years in his tenure. He 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 solely relied on Carey Price to be the difference maker. This time around, he's learned his lesson. Thank God. Somehow kept his job, and now he has provided a supporting cast that should be able to support Carey Price properly. There is now actual centermen. It's not just Dernet and Plekinets. There's there's an actual, you know, you look at their top nine on center and people are actually excited by seeing what they see. So there's that. You've got size on the wings. When's the last time the Canadians have ever had size on the wings? What, the 90s? Uh, it, yeah. And they have a defense that should be able to clear the zone. They're not the typical puck moving defensemen, you know, the, the slick skating ones like Kale, uh, you know, McCarr and Quinn Hughes, those guys. We don't have those guys, but we have effective defensemen who play defense and can make a first pass out of the zone, which supports Carey Price, who is very good at handling the puck and directing uh, rebounds to certain areas, which will help his defenseman. And Jake Allen's no slouch when it comes to handling the puck either. He can, he's not at Carey Price's level, but he's, he's actually effective. So he plays a similar style. The guys are going to, are going to be used to that style. And I think, uh, I think, I think maybe two or three more years of Carey Price being at this level is what I think management's expecting. And they're hoping that Primo is ready to take the next step at that point, And then they'll have to make a decision. So I hope that answers your question. Leafs fans. Uh, the next one is coming from Matt Germain. And his question is, do the length of contracts just signed by Habs point to possible trade or trades of young quote unquote blocked players 
at some point in 2020, 2021, particularly important when trade deadline approaches. So I think his question is asking if they're going to move younger players out or older players out to make room for younger players, guys like Caulfield and whatnot. That That's my, I hope I'm right, Matt, uh, Matt Germain. I hope I'm getting your, your question correct. So we'll, we'll go with that track. Uh, Matt, what do you think? I don't think they'd be moving somebody like a Caulfield. Um, personally, if the, if the, if the deal is right, I could see them throwing in uh, somebody like a, a Victor Mete or a, a Ryan Paling or someone, someone in that nature. But I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be dangling the uh, the top tier prospects at this time to make room for, uh, to make room for anybody else. Um, but they still have people to sign, obviously, going into 21-22 season. But uh, we've seen that Bergevin's already taken the step and he's he's taken the jump to. Um, to, to re-sign some of these guys. They brought back Gallagher. They've brought back Petrie and Allen's already signed an extension. He still hasn't, and he's never played a game for the team. So it's, a, it's uh, he's doing very good work. And I, I don't think at this point that trading a, a top tier prospect would be beneficial for the team. Greg? Uh, <clears throat> by block players, I can see the right wing right now being an issue when Caulfield's ready to come into the NHL, uh, unless Tyler Toffoli can play over on the left wing, which some people are thinking he will, just to give Armia top nine minutes. Uh, if Caulfield comes into the league, Armia is expendable. Uh, he's a free agent RFA, I think, next year anyway, or the, the end of this year. A UFA at the end of the season, yeah. Yeah, so he may not be back anyhow. Uh but you still have, even if Caulfield comes in next year, you still have Anderson, Gallagher, and Toffoli as right wingers. Maybe you can move Caulfield over the left wing. I don't know. Uh, let's see what kind of talent Caulfield brings to the NHL first. Uh, we as Hab fans tend to sometimes overestimate our prospects. Uh, usually we underestimate every prospect, but with Caulfield, he seems to be hyped pretty high with good reason. I'm not saying Caulfield's not going to turn out. I'm, I'm on the uh, side of, I think he's going to be a good 30 goal score, at least a 30 goal score in the NHL, but we don't really know that right now. And uh, so maybe Caulfield doesn't come in the league for another two years. And by then to fall these contracts in its last couple of years. So as for, <clears throat> goaltending, I think the uh, Allen is long enough because it gives Primo at least two full seasons in the AHL as a starter, and they can really see what kind of what this guy's really going to bring. Uh, so to answer his question, yeah, I think players will be moved. I think someone's going to be moved anyway because of the salary cap situation right now, uh, and I think it's going to be a winger, whether it's left or right winger, I don't know. With the team that they have built right now, they don't necessarily have to fast track any of these guys into the league either. Right. So we don't need to see, we don't need to see like, uh, with, like what they did with Mete. There was a, there was an opening. They said the guy had a good camp. We'll just fast track him in. Uh, they don't need to do that with Caulfield. They're stacked on the wing right now, especially on the right-hand side and um, guys like Gooley and, um, and those, those kind of, those kind of uh, prospects, they don't need to throw them in the lineup right away because they've built they built a team that can compete now. They don't need to you don't need to rush these guys in. 
So for me, I think the, the big stepping stone for Caulfield is going to be the world juniors this year and, and putting him into a position unlike last year where he's actually with offensive contributors. And then we can actually see what his potential is. We've, we, he had a great season last year, but there's no, there's no reason whatsoever. And there was, there was people that are saying like this year, Oh, let's throw Caulfield in. Let's get him signed. Like there's, there's no reason for it. He's got to get bigger. He's got to get, uh, he's got to learn the game more. He's got to play against men. There's no sense of jumping in from NCAA into the NHL right now with the team that they have. Yeah. So I'm not going to disagree with any of that. Uh, Kind of on that point, what people need to keep in mind too, is that at the end of this season, there's the expansion draft. So the Canadians are going to be losing a contract. It could be Jake Allen. It, it could be a forward. It could be one of the defensemen. That will open up a roster position for younger guys. If, it, if you lose a defenseman, guys like Harris and uh, Juleson and Brooke, and all, it, opens up, it opens up some space for them to be able to come in. Mete is probably going to be gone at the end of the season as well. Um, and on the development side, who's to say that next year Caulfield doesn't just show up to camp and take a job? I mean, it's completely possible, highly unlikely, but possible. <clears throat> so you have someone to trade and get good value back. And that's the thing. If these young guys push an older player out, you have the asset you can trade out. You may not get what, uh, what fans on message boards and on Twitter deem as the true value of a player but since when has anybody on twitter nailed the trade before anybody knew that rumor was happening you know the the constant domi paling in a first talk over the uh, over the off season come on you know like you're not gonna hit it could, it could still happen we could re- we could get we can get domi back yeah we can, fl- just to, we can flip him for lining for for paling in a first yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that's this is this is what I'm getting at. You're going to lose someone in the expansion draft. You you could have a young guy push his way onto the roster, but you guys also nailed it in the fact that if the young guys aren't ready, these older guys who are quote unquote blocking the younger guys uh, are still there to fill those roster spots effectively with a team that that's a playoff contender. Until those young guys are ready to, to push their way in, those older guys are going to stay. It, it's only blocking a player if the older guy on the team is not producing. And being kept for some reason. And, and if he's being kept, like, for instance, if Kolvachuk was kept, yeah, I would say he would be blocking a younger guy from, from being in the NHL. I'm speaking of being attacked. Get <laughs> 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 off me, cat. <laughs> For those who can't see what's going on, Treg is being attacked by a giant cat. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, uh, we're going to move on to the next question. And this is a question from a longtime listener and friend to all of us, J.D. Lagrange. Today, uh, well, this is an older question. So Julian mentioned Kulak, Mete, and Romanov who can play on the right side. Not a single mention of Fleury, Juleson, or Brooke if he surprises a camp. What do you guys make of that? 
your coach not even thinking of you on your natural side? Uh, Trag, I'll let you start this one. Uh, I think it shows that they're prepared to put Jules in Fleury, Brook in the in Laval, uh, unless injuries happen for the season. Uh, Jules might be a bit harder because he's not waiver exempt. Um, I think it goes to show that. Uh, I think it goes to show he speaks highly of all those three of those defensemen that he's willing to put them on their offside and is comfortable with them uh, playing there. Uh, we all know Julian is a type of guy who needs to be comfortable with a player in order to give them the minutes that they, they should deserve. Uh, Cause if he's not comfortable with them, especially a young player uh, you know, they're not lasting once they make mistakes. Um, the only way I see flurry or Brooke, uh, Brooke would have to, first of all, Brooke would have to come out of nowhere. Because uh, he really didn't have that great of an AHL season last year either, um, and Flurry, I wouldn't mind Flurry or Juleson on the team, but one of them's going to have to be a seventh defenseman. And if you really want to sit a young guy, especially a guy like Juleson who hasn't played since when? Uh, played February. one game just before the COVID uh, shutdown. October, I think. So, uh, yeah, I think it just goes to show he's just trying to say, I'm going to go with the veterans, except for Romanov. He said in his interview that he's he would be surprised if Romanov didn't make the team at a camp. Uh, and uh, Romanov played right defense in uh, Russia. Uh, Kulak is a good enough defenseman. He could probably switch over. Uh, I don't think it says anything terrible. I think it kind of puts the bug in the air of Fleury and those younger guys that, you know, you're probably, unless you really come out of camp flying, you're probably in the AHL for the season. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I know what JD's trying to get at, that he, he should be a little bit more open to the younger guys and kind of pumping their tires a bit. But at the same time, he's the NHL coach, and he has viewed these guys a little bit more often, except for Romanov. And you're right, Romanov has played on the right side in Russia, so he would be comfortable on that side. Mete played on the right side in the playoffs, and he did okay. Uh, Kulak has played on the right side from time to time. Um, Juleson, he is coming off that injury, so that means he's more than likely going to get put on waivers. I don't see him getting picked up off waivers, just because of the injury history and the fact it's a one-year deal. I, I see him getting through waivers and ending up in Laval. Brooke, he had, he's had a, a progression, and he's progressing correctly, but it's, it's not a super fast progression. It's not one where he's making massive leaps. He's improving. He's getting better. He's, uh, he's playing just about anywhere that, uh, that he's asked to play, and he's a favorite for that, uh, for uh, the Laval head coach, and Flurry, I think is an NHL defenseman. However, when you have eight NHL defensemen assigned already, I don't think it's a big deal if he plays in Laval to start the season until one of them is moved out or gets hurt. He, he he's minutes. an excellent column. He needs minutes. He needs minutes. You don't want him sitting in a press box, so send him to Laval. Let Mete sit in the press box. Exactly. Because, you know, this is how you ruin a player. 
He's only 22, and analytically, he's the greatest defenseman on the Montreal Canadiens, if you look yeah, at well, Analytically, uh, what is it? Yuri Sekach was, was one of the greatest forwards. Look, we have to use analytics properly. Yes, analytics are a good tool, but you need to be able to use situational awareness on where those analytics are coming from, how they're being used and applied. Just because a guy does well against a, bu- a bunch of bottom line players doesn't mean he's going to be now become a top line. No, he had 300 minutes with Weber on the first line. Two years ago. Ah, ah, semantics. Analytically greatest Montreal defenseman. The next Markov. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't – to get to the, the crux of the question, I don't see this at, uh, to the question that JD's asking. I don't see this as being – a slap in the face to any of these guys. I, I just see it as him kind of spitballing what he expects to see at camp. And just because this is going to be a different kind of camp, all they're not going to have the number of invitees they normally get. So it's going to be a very small camp and it's going to be condensed. Matt, you haven't chimed in at all. So oh, I'll put it quick and I'll just say that he's, um, he's comfortable with the team that Bergeron put together and um the whole Romanov thing. Uh, he's the, uh, he's the up and comer. He's the new shiny piece that everyone wants to see. Um, it, it really spoke. Uh, they spoke very highly of him and the fact that uh, they signed him and brought him in just so he could join the bubble. It shows how high they, uh, they think of this guy and the fact that uh, he thinks that it would be surprising if he's not on the roster. It seems that there's already a spot there for him. And with the seven guys that you have right now on defense and Weber, Petrie, Edmondson, Sherratt, Kulak, Romanov, and Mete, there's your seven right there that, that are going to be uh, battling for those top six spots. And uh, the odd guys out, in my opinion, are going to be uh, – is most likely going to be a Mete just based on his playoff performance. And um, if, you know, someone like Kulak has a slow start, Mete might eat some of those minutes and, and have some of those games. But uh, with Alsner gone from the AHL, it's going to uh, it's going to bring up a position for these young guys that are going to be able to to eat more minutes. And it wouldn't surprise me to see, um, you know, a top line in Laval of something like Willette and Fleury, and then you can put Brook on the second pair or Juleson on the second pair, and because we've seen that Brook can play the left side as well. And um, I think that's how they're going to do. I think that's how they're going to do it. I, I, I the uh, we saw at the start of the year that Laval started adding pieces, and now the NH and now the NHL team has added pieces, and and I think that they're both going to be competitive next season. I, I don't have an issue either if Juleson or Fleury outplay Romanov in the training camp, and Romanov gets sent to Laval. I have no issue with that either. I wouldn't either. To me, that that's not a bad thing on Romanov. So. No, I don't expect him getting sent down, though. He, I don't either. Um, yeah. I, I'm just saying, like, if, I, no. if that were to happen, I'm not going to look at it as a negative. I think they would – I think they'd put Mete down before they put Romanov down. Just based yeah. on – just based on all the hype and all the talk. And, like, even the, in the rumors right now that Mete could be, could be on the move, right? I think this whole talk about left or right uh, defensemen, where they're going to play, blah, blah, blah. It, 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 everything rests on where is Romanov comfortable playing? Everything is key, that third pair. Everything depends on what side does Romanov want to play? Does he want to play on the right side like he has done a lot of in Russia? Or does he want to play on his natural left side? 
whichever one he's most comfortable with. Even Bergevin has hinted at that in press conferences in the past. So yeah, Julian's comments kind of allude to that uh, uncertainty of what side he wants and it, whatever he chooses, the other side is going to get filled in by someone that they have already up there. Yeah. If he plays on the right side, I would say that the bottom pairing, you're looking at a, at a cool, like a Kulak Romanov pairing on your third line. And you got, and then you'd have Mete in the, in the box. I think you're looking at that regardless. He plays left or right. Yeah. Yeah. Or there is, there is the chance because Kulak has played well with Petrie in the past that you might have uh, Edmonston on the left and you have Romanov in the right, which would be a pretty rough fucking line playing against. Could you imagine trying to go into a corner with those guys? Holy shit. Anyway, uh, we're going to move on to the next question. This one's a little bit more lighthearted. Hockey last 72. So Michelle asks us, and uh, hello, Michelle, thank you for listening. Uh, If you could choose one song to play every time you walked into a room for the rest of your life, what song would you choose and why? Well, I know my song and my song. Ooh, yeah! Macho man, Blaine Potvin, walking in the room. Oh yeah! Could you imagine walking in? <laughs> it's my daughter's wedding. Da, 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 da. Be awesome. That's what I'd pick. <laughs> Drag, what about you, man? Well, since I'm the villain, <laughs> and one of the greatest villains, villains in WWE history is my favorite wrestler, and I'm Scottish. Oh, yeah. I know where you're going. I'll have to go with this. That's the wrong song. I'll have to go, what? I'll have to go with this. I don't know if you can hear it. There it is. So that's what, I, or the immigrant song by Led Zeppelin, one or the other, because that'd just be a cool entrance theme to come into. Matt, what about you? I mean, birds sing your praises when you enter rooms, so. That's very true. That's very true. I'd probably go, um, just because it's a catchy tune, and I just think that it it just kind of gets everyone laughing, is the, uh, you remember the Party Boy theme song from fucking Jackass? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's what I I think I would go with. (laughs) Makes sense. Yeah. I may have danced to that a few times in my life. <laughs> Why do I believe that? Wearing just as little as he did. <laughs> oh boy. Video so, proof or it never or it never happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you do film video of that to that music, feel free to tag Habs Unfiltered so that oh, all our listeners can enjoy. Yeah, will do. <laughs> so this is kind of this is a good question, and it ties in one of our sponsors. So Beth Ivarvit of Happy Hour fame, will you three also be in the Habilison Manscaped calendar shoot? Well, Beth, um, I would say that no, because we hold ourselves to a higher standard. What? <laughs> I'm going to be October because I'm totally scary. 
Matt will be uh, Mr. December January through Feb January through June because that's the only way we're going to sell the calendar. <laughs> uh, my picture is going was, to be just a blacked out screen. I was going to take a shot at myself and be like February because it's the shortest month. <laughs> we save that one for Gibby. Yeah, what do you exactly. say? What do you say in Matt about short? It's a short month. It's my birthday month. I'll just say that. Okay. <laughs> we have to be naked for this calendar? No, no, no. It's got to oh. be tasteful. Oh, all right. I mean, uh, Vinny's going to be in this calendar. Well, if you put a pole in front of him, you're not going to see him anyway. So, well, put the razor in front of him. It's like, where'd he go? Yeah. <laughs> well, you'll definitely see him. Be gone. Where's Vinny? I could have swore I saw a Holocaust victim here somewhere. Oh, Jesus. If you put a pole in front Vinny. of you put a pole in front of Vinny, you'll see him because he's going to be spinning around it while he's dancing, <laughs> drinking vino. Yeah, but only on the weekends. <laughs> so to answer your question, Beth, yes, but we're clearly the stars next to Vinny, of course. And uh, to finish off the old mailbag. I thought I'd save this, this the best one for last. I know Treg will truly, truly love this one. It I comes from- We got two left. We have two left. Yeah. Well, all right, fine. I'll give you this one anyway, because I know how much you love this guy. Gino at uh, Gino1102 <laughs> asks, you think Bergevin will be trying to trade for Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, or Duncan Keith? Either of these three guys would really help the Habs. In fact, all three would be nice. Lol. I would see if the Hawks would retain 50% on either and get one for the Habs. Kane, please. So, Gino, we appreciate you listening. We really, really do. And we love seeing your posts. Um, they, they are fun. They're, no, they're fun. Especially when the trade scenarios come up and half a team is traded for another half a team. I, I, yeah, I know you're passionate and it comes through. I, I love seeing these. I don't know about you guys, but I love seeing this stuff because it's amusing. It's fun. So do you think they're going to pick anybody up? You want me to answer this? Yes, please, please answer. Uh, and I, don't go back. You know, unfollow me. Or, sorry, don't unfollow me. Sorry, unblock me because I know you have me blocked. Uh, no, <laughs> no the are not going to go after Kane, Taves, Duncan Keith, or anyone on Chicago. A, it'd be nice to have, you know what? He's absolutely right. It would be nice to have any one of those three, right? That's $30 million. But we, A, we, we would have to give up everyone we just signed to get one of them. Uh, just to further contract. And I don't think the team needs them right now. I, I don't think they need an aging cane or an aging taste. Yep. They're going to be good, but for how much longer? Right. Um, so Gino, I'm going to be serious about your question because I know you love big guys. I know you were Milan Lucic was the guy you wanted in Montreal forever. Um because he can hit. And I, and, and I get what you're trying to say. You want a big, strong hitting team 
that uh, like we had in the seventies and, and stuff like that. And if you look at the team now, you're kind of getting some part of your wish, really. Like if you look at that defense and with Johnson there and uh, you know, Gallagher back, not that he's big, but you know, cocky Demi throwing the, uh, throwing the body around. I think the team's a good the way it is. Would I put a cane on my team? Sure thing. Chicago's not dumb enough, dumb enough to take 50% of the salary. So that's not happening. Uh, you're no short. No, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Speaking of short and the month of February, Matt. Um, as much as I would love to see, uh, especially Kane or Taves on the team. I, I agree with both the guys. I just, I don't see it financially uh, working out. Both guys making 10 and a half million a year. Um, Jonathan Taves He's been one of my favorite players that's not a Montreal Canadian for many years. Uh, you know, the guy's won three cups. He's won the Messier Award. He's won the Selkie, uh, Conn Smythe winner, um, big at the Olympics, et cetera, et cetera. Like, when you, uh, when you speak of leaders within the league, he's one of the guys that you think of. And would he do, would he do that for the Canadians and, and step in and be a presence in the locker room and help out this team? Absolutely. It just, right now it's just, it's not financially uh, feasible. And um, right now at center, you, they don't have a spot to really put him anyway. I, I just can't see a deal. I, I personally just can't see a deal being made. Um, would I welcome them on the team? If they ate half the, half, half the contract, absolutely. I'd sign, I'd bring them in tomorrow. Um, but at the same time, I, I kind of touched on this earlier. There's no need right now with the team that they have built to move out these high-end prospects to bring in a guy like that. So, Kane uh, play left wing. Say right. that one more time. Does Kane play left wing or right wing? He's a right winger. So no, he'll play wherever the frig he wants. That's Patrick so, Kane. I, I get it. If Kane was a, a true left winger, and Chicago retained fifty percent of his salary, yeah, I take him. Because he'd be on the top four guaranteed. The way the way that it is though right now, I I, I personally couldn't see it happening. It's the same thing yeah. as some of these other big name contracts. And, and the last question there, Blaine, that came up on the my very time. last one uh, that we're going to do for the mailbag uh, comes from David Levasseur at uh, David Levasseur eight, and the question is, who would you see playing on the first wave of the power play now? Uh, I'm going to let Matt kick this one off because, you know, he's better looking and younger and smarter. Okay. So I'll just, um, I'm more than likely going to do like a four forward one defense, like what they have been doing um, for right now, based on his size, I would like to see, uh, I like to see Josh Anderson um, on a wing with Toffoli. Um, and then your centerman, just to win the face-off. Actually, I'd put Suzuki. Let's do Suzuki. So we'll do Suzuki, Suzuki, Anderson, Toffoli. Um, and then um, you could even put uh, you could even put um, Tatar out there. He's a hell of a shooter. And uh, have um, Shea Weber on the uh, on the face-off, on the Ovechkin spot. That's what I would do. Trank? I'd go with Anderson, Suzuki, Gallagher, Druin, and Weber. Okay. I would have Anderson on the uh, on the uh, in front of the net. I'd have uh, Weber 
on the Ovechkin dot, but I wouldn't play. I I play more of a diamond than I would play a, uh, you know, two two one, uh, and uh, that's how I'd run it. That's how I would have it. Um, I would probably go with uh, well Suzuki'd be my center, and he would have to play on the half wall. I'd have Drouin on the other half wall, and I'd have Anderson in front of the net, and on the uh, the blue lines I'd have uh, I'd have Petrie and uh, Weber. And I'd put Weber on the Ovechkin spot and the team would play the one, three, one. So Petrie, I would use him there because he does have a big shot. So if he has the opening to take a shot, he would. He also, he's also good at getting low hard shots through traffic onto the net, which would be perfect for Anderson for tips, screens, rebounds, that kind of thing. And he's also good at setting up. So he would be able to set up uh, Weber for the one timer on the Ovechkin spot and with Weber being that close to the net with his shot, that would be lethal. And again, you'd have a large body in front of the net wreaking havoc, f- pulling bodies down away from that mid-tier. And then you'd have Drouin with his, power, with his playmaking ability on the wing, on the, uh, the boards. Suzuki with, uh, with his vision. It, it, I think that would just work out a little bit better. It kind of fits into the scheme that they were doing uh, near the end of the playoffs. And it was starting to pay off. I think they just continue on. And that would leave plenty of, um, if, if that power play doesn't score, it would generate some shots. And the next wave, there's plenty of players that can fill that second wave. I would go with the skinny guy, two medium guys, and a fat guy, like on uh, ice hockey. <laughs> if What I want to see this year, <laughs> I definitely want to see a uh, a blades of steel goal selly where they all just kind of kind of circle around each other and just raise the stick and hold the stick with two hands like a cross check and just as if they're uh, just raise it up and down just kind of haven't done that yet someone's got to do it that's that is a classic selly i've been t- I, i'm coaching the, my son's adam team or sorry u11 team they've renamed it and I've, uh, I spent five minutes teaching these kids goal sellies, and that's the one that I taught because I want to see this. So you're coaching the team and you're teaching them goal sellies, not how to score the goal. I didn't send the head coach. Afterwards. I'm not the head coach. I'm an assistant coach, and I had some time. I figured, let's have fun. It's the first practice. <laughs> Eventually, these kids are going to score, and when they do, it's going to be epic. So you did about as much as the assistant coaches before Ducharme and Muller came in. <laughs> hey now, one of those guys is the head coach of the Mooseheads, and the record shows. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. So I think that does it for our episode this week. Uh, I want to thank everybody who sent their questions in. Um, and no, Michelle, uh, uh, Hockey Last 72. They don't necessarily have to be hockey-related questions. We're three kind of we're, – we're obviously not that intelligent because we all decided to join the forces. And, uh, I mean, smart people get real jobs. So, yeah, we're goofy, we're zany, we like, the, we like those off-the-wall questions. They're fun. So – the next mailbag that we do, we hope you guys send in as many hockey questions as you want, but also keep in mind, you know, keep it light, have fun. That's what this whole thing is. We're going to be in an off season for God knows how long. 
let's have fun with it. So thank you to everyone who sent the questions in. Thank you to all our listeners, old and new. We, we really appreciate the support that we've been getting, uh, especially now it's our third anniversary. But let's be honest, in the last six months, this has been the best uh, six months that we've had with this show. Yeah, it has been the best six months. Uh, viewership has gone up draft steadily. It's, it's a steady climb, or viewership, listenership, I guess. Uh, it's gone up on a steady uh, uh, incline, and uh, the interactions with people on Twitter and with the show and with the guests we're getting, it's been, it's been a great. It's been, the show is miles above where I ever thought it would be. Yeah, I just want to thank all of our listeners as well, and um, to all of our other podcasts as well that have uh, that have stepped up, retweeted us, and uh, engaged in conversations. And um, it's been it's been great. Um, they've given us shout outs. We've given them shout outs, and uh, it's uh, it's been a, it's been a nice ride. And it's something that uh, I really enjoy doing. And I, I can say the same thing about. I'm sure I can say the same for you guys as well. Absolutely. So uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, we hope to have you back next week. We here at Habs Unfiltered would like to thank you, all of our listeners, old and new, for tuning in. Please, Click subscribe so that you never miss an episode of all of our shenanigans. And remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. Did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.